morning over here in the auditorium. Good morning to everybody in the venue and good morning to anybody watching online. We hope that you are all doing well today. If you were a guest with us, whether it's here in the venue or online, we're so glad you could join us today. I hope that you find our church to be welcoming and inviting, that people are friendly and kind to you, and that you find a place to belong with us here at E-Free. So we are continuing our series called Unhurry Already, where we've been looking at the hurried nature of our lives and how can we slow that down so we can match the pace of Jesus. As we do that this morning, I want to run through what I think is probably a routine that is close to many of our routines uh, here in the church. And so it goes like this. Your alarm clock goes off in the morning, and you reach over and you turn it off. Whether it's on your phone or whether it's an old school alarm clock, you turn it off. Then maybe you reach for your phone, and the first thing you open up is your Bible app. You open up the verse of the day, or you read a couple paragraphs, or you read a chapter, or two chapters, or three chapters. Then you jump over to a social media, or to a news feed, or to your email. Then you put that down, you get ready for the day, you got to get your kids ready if you have any kids ready for the day, got to get them fed, get them out the door to either daycare or to school, and then you get to work, and you start that morning grind where you're trying to get stuff knocked off your to-do list. But if you're like me, stuff goes on the list way faster than it comes off the list, and so as people say, we need this and this and this, then the more anxiety, more hurry begins to build. It gets to be lunchtime. You can't eat lunch because you got so much stuff on your to-do list. So you eat in your office as you work on more things. And you think to yourself, what did I read this morning? Did I read in the Old Testament or the New Testament? It was about Jesus, wasn't it? Uh, probably. I think. I don't know. I got stuff to do. And you go through the afternoon to-do list. The afternoon grind. You're trying to get more of that off. Then 5 o'clock hits, you have to go pick up your kids if you have kids from an after-school program or from daycare. You get home, you try to figure out, what am I going to eat for supper? What are we going to eat for supper? You stare in the refrigerator. And you make mac and cheese and hot dogs. And then you eat supper. And then you tell your kids you got to do your homework. And then you tell them again they got to do their homework. And then you tell them, yeah, you got to get ready for bed. Then you tell them again you got to get ready for bed. And if you have little kids like me, you wrestle them into the bathtub. And then you wrestle them into their PJs. And then you put them to bed. And then you sit on the couch. And they get up, so you put them again to bed again. And they get up again. Because you didn't say, I love you the right way, or give them the right blanket, or the right book, or the right flashlight, or this or that. Or they just need a glass of water. I won't drink water all day until it's bedtime. And then I need 32 gallons. But then you soak, you sit into the couch. And you're tired. So you grab your phone. Where you turn on the TV and you're just like, I, I just want a little bit of relaxation, a little bit of refreshment. And then you sit in that spot until you're too tired to get off the couch, but you're too tired that you should go to bed. And you sit there until either you fall asleep on the couch or you're like, I really have to go to bed. And you drag yourself to bed. And then you wake up and you do the next day and the next day, the next day until it gets the weekend. And the weekend's a different kind of busy, but it's still busy. And then you do that for months, maybe for years. And then one day you're like, Shouldn't I be getting more out of my Bible reading than this? Or maybe you've had this moment that I've had before in the past where you're in a life group or you're at church and someone's saying how much they love reading the Bible and it makes you mad. You're like, why? Like, why don't I get to have that reaction when I read the Bible? Like, you're talking about how it's this wonderful fountain of life for you and I'm like, when I read it, it doesn't happen like that. What, what am I doing wrong? And then you ask the question, is it me? Like, am I the problem, or, or is it the Bible? 
Does it not actually work for everybody the way it works for that person? Like, what, what's wrong? So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to take us through three movements. The first one is to identify what is the problem. Why do we have that reaction sometimes? Because my guess is that many of us have that reaction. And then what is the solution so that we can all experience the life-giving nature of the Bible, that it connects us to God? How, how do we read it in that manner so that we can walk away saying, I love reading the Bible, that it refreshes me? And then the last thing we're going to do is we're going to actually apply the solution, that we're going to practice it here today. So I hope that you came ready to practice because we're going to do some practicing. So let me pray, and then we'll launch into the problem. Father God, God, would you help us that I think all of us have this desire to know you, and we have this desire to be refreshed by you, but God, we live in a hurried society that has got to get to the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, and so God, we need your help to slow down. God, would you help me to be clear and concise this morning as we work our way through this idea of meditating on the word? God, we pray this all in your son's name. Amen. All right. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them to Psalm chapter 1 or, verse, or Psalm 1. Psalms is in the middle of your Bible, so if you just open towards the middle, you probably will land in Psalms. It's a very large book. If you landed in Job, which looks like Job, then go to the right. If you land in uh, the book of Proverbs or Isaiah, Jeremiah, then you're to the right, go to the left, and you'll find Psalm 1. So we're not going to get there yet because we've got to identify the problem, but I know some people are like, I, want it. like, I have my Bible, tell me where I need to go. So I want you to know where to go, Psalm 1, but we're going to get there in a minute. So this is the problem. The problem is not you. The problem is not the Bible. The problem is our method. That we live in a hurry-sick society that wants microwave solutions to everything, including our relationship with God and the purposeful pace of Jesus cannot be sped up or hurried along. Like this is the problem is that we live in this really hurried society. And so what we want is we want life hacks. How can I read my Bible the fastest? How can I have a shortcut to my Bible reading? How can I have a shortcut to my spiritual disciplines? How can I do this the quickest? I need the microwave solution. I, I don't have time for the slow cooker version. I need the microwave version. And so what's happened is that our spiritual disciplines, our Bible reading, our prayer, our memorization, our silence and solitude, these spiritual practices, they've been shaped by our hurried pace of life. Instead of having our hurried pace of life being shaped by our Bible practices. And so what we've gotten is a whole bunch of really bad methods to try and read and study the Bible, or to just read the Bible. And so what we do, because we're in such a hurry, we know the Bible's important, so we read it, but it's just a check, another thing to check off our list. And so we open up our Bible app, and maybe we read the verse of the day, we read a couple paragraphs in our reading plan, but then we're on to the next thing. And really, like by the time we get out of the shower, we don't remember what it is that we read. So I'm going to make tea for a moment, if you would give me a minute. So my guess is all of you know how to make tea, because it's not complicated. But for a second, let's pretend that I have no idea how to make tea. So I, I know you got to open it, but then I assume all you have to do to make tea is dunk it. So I'm going to dunk it. Now, if that's what I thought, I'd be like, this bag is defective. This is a terrible bag. So then, let's say I open another bag and I dunk it. 
this bag isn't any better. And so I go through the entire box, dunking, tea bag after tea bag. I'd be like, this isn't working. These tea bags are terrible. But the problem is not in the tea bag. The problem is my method. I can't dunk tea. I have to steep tea if I want to make tea. And this morning, what we want to talk about is that with Bible reading, we can't dunk. We have to steep. That so many of us, we have these methods of dunking that aren't really working, that we're, we're putting in a little bit of effort, but we're just dunking. And so it's not working, and so we're going, like, what's wrong with me? And it's not you, it's not the Bible, it's our method. That we've been dunking in our Bible methods. We've been trying to do, you know, 30 seconds in the pickup line. Or a minute while we're standing waiting to get our groceries. Which I love the heart behind that, of saying, this is important, I need to get it in my life. But that's just dunking. And if we're going to dunk, we got to dunk for a long time and go through a lot of tea bags before I'm going to make any tea. In the same way, we're going to have to dunk into a lot of different verses over a long period of time before there's a little bit of change. And so what we want to talk about today is how do we meditate on the Word in such a manner that it slows us down so we spend some time steeping in the Bible, steeping in God's Word so that it will make a change on us. So this is the solution. The solution is to slow down to Jesus' pace by meditating on the word of God. That we're going to slow down and we're going to meditate. We're going to steep in God's word. And as we steep in the word, it's actually going to produce a change in us. So there's a guy named Donald S. Whitney, who is a Bible scholar professor, who wrote this book called The Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Life that I had to read in seminary. And this guy is very smart and he's brilliant. And he talks about this idea a lot. And so a lot of what you're going to hear this morning comes from Donald. It doesn't come from me, it comes from him. When we get to the end and we talk about the practices that come from him. Now, he gives 15 practices. I'm only going to give you three because 15 is a lot and you guys, we need to get going. So 15 seems like much. But if you're like, this is really interesting to me, I encourage you to pick up spiritual disciplines for the Christian life. So this is what he says about Bible meditation. He says, one sad feature of our contemporary culture is that meditation has become identified more with non-Christian systems of thought than with biblical Christianity. Even among believers, the practice of meditation is often more closely associated with yoga, transcendental meditation, relaxation therapy, or some new age practice than with Christian spirituality. Because meditation is so prominent in many spiritually counterfeit groups and movements, some Christians are uncomfortable with the whole subject and suspicious of those who engage in it. But we must remember that meditation is both commanded by God and modeled by the godly in Scripture. So what he's saying in there is that there is a biblical way to meditate on Scripture that is different than these other ideas of meditation that we see out in culture, whether it's from yoga or whether it's from um, some group or cold or transcendental meditation or relaxation therapy or some new age practice. So my guess is there was at least a couple people, if not more people, that when you got to church and you got your hand out and you saw meditating on the word, you went, uh-uh, mm-mm, not in my church. And you got like, I don't know about this, like is our church about to go off the deep end? And you got nervous. So I appreciate that, that feeling of I'm, I am very concerned about being biblical. But what I hope that you see this morning is that there is a biblical way to meditate that is different. We're not talking about emptying our minds. We're not trying to think about nothing or say om or any of that stuff. What we're trying to do is fill our minds and fill our hearts with 
God, his word, his commands, and what he's done throughout history. So this is the definition of meditation that we're going to use for this morning. Meditation is the act of dwelling on God, his wondrous acts, and his commandments as revealed in the scriptures. This is what we're trying to do. We're trying to dwell on, steep in, soak in who is God, what is his character, what has he done throughout history past, what has he done with his people, and then what are his commandments? How has he told us to live? So we see this in the Bible. In Psalm 119, verse 15, which you don't need to turn there. We'll be there for a second. It says, I meditate on your precepts. Precepts are commands or laws. It says, and consider your ways. He says, I think deeply. I dwell on, I steep in your commands, your laws, how you've told us to live. Psalm 143, verse 5. The psalmist says, I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. I think deeply on what you, I don't dunk, I think deeply, I steep in what you have done throughout history. How have you interacted with your people throughout history? What are the mighty, amazing, wondrous things that you've done? I dwell on them. It's not just a dunk, it's not just a few seconds, it is me sitting here and thinking about it so that it's in the back of my mind so throughout the day it comes back to me. In Joshua 1.8, It says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. So the book of the law is the first five books of the Bible. It says, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So this is given to the Israelites as they're about to enter the promised land. And what they're told is if you dwell on, meditate on, steep in these first five books of the Bible, it is going to make you successful in the promised land, that you're going to succeed, you're going to grow, be prosperous there. So the idea is that we need to steepen, soak in, saturate ourselves in God's word, that it's not just 30 seconds. It's not just I read one verse a day and that's, I'm done. It's that I have to focus on it. And you can read one verse, but you have to really steep in it. Really try to memorize that verse so that you're bringing it to mind throughout the day. So here's our big idea. Meditating on God, his works, and his commands leads to righteousness and an abundant life. But my guess is this is what we want. That this is your goal as you come to the Bible is that you're saying, I want to grow in righteousness. I want to see the fruits of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control grow inside of me. That I I want this abundant life. I want to feel refreshed. I want to feel like I'm living, not like I'm being drained of my life. And if you're frustrated, my guess is because someone like me said that, you can get that from the Bible, and you've been trying, and like, I'm not getting it. Because you've been dunking instead of steeping. So now we're going to be in Psalm 1. So Psalm 1 says this. Verse 1, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. So this is the first psalm in this whole book of psalms. And the organizers of the psalms chose this as like an introduction to the psalms, giving the readers of the psalms an idea, if you dwell on the psalms, this is what's going to happen. And they start by setting up these two pictures. One is the person who is wicked, And then one is a person who is righteous. 
One is the person who is blessed, and the other person is the person who's cursed. So in Psalm 1, I mean verse 1, it says, Blessed is the person who does not walk in step with the wicked. And the idea is that you are walking side by side to join in in a wicked act. And then he says, or stand in the way that sinners take. The picture here is the person who's standing alongside the road because they know that sinners are going to walk that way and they're going to do something evil and I want to join in it. So I'm standing here looking, waiting. Are they coming? Like, I want to rob this bank with these people. They're waiting for them. And then the third one is the person that sits in the company of mockers. That they go because they want to join in in mocking. So to be clear, there is the person over here, they want to participate in all of these sinful, evil, wicked acts. This is not someone who's saying, I want to reach out to someone who's sinful, that I want them to know the love of Jesus. This is not the person who's saying, I want to invite my non-Christian neighbor into my home. That's not what it means to walk with the wicked or to stand in the way that sinners take or to sit with mockers. That's not what it means. What this is saying is these people, they want to join in in evil. They're looking for opportunities to join in in it. So that's the person who's going to be cursed. Now the person who's blessed, verse 2. So if we add verse 1 with verse 2, it says, Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted beside streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. So he says this is the blessed person. The blessed person is a person who delights in the law of the Lord, and day and night they meditate on it. That throughout the day and throughout the night, that as they're thinking, the law keeps coming back to their mind, which is causing them to be blessed. And then it, the writer creates this picture. He says, this person is like a tree that's planted beside a stream, that it has this water source that keeps feeding it. So it's not dependent on rain. It has its own source. And so it's producing fruit in season. Whenever it's supposed to produce fruit, it produces fruit. Its leaves do not wither. They're not dried up, ready to blow away. But then he presents the picture of this person over here that is partaking in wickedness. He says these people are like chaff that are dried out and are blown away by the wind. So chaff is this part of wheat that as the wheat dries, there's a parts of it that is worthless, and so they would separate it from the wheat kernels by tossing it in the air. As they tossed it in the air, the heavy wheat kernels would fall and make a pile, and then the chaff would just blow away in the wind. And he's saying, this is what it's like to participate in these things, that you get so dried and so um, shriveled that it's just like a strong wind would blow you away. So the question that I, I have to ask myself as I read this it's how does my soul feel? How does my life feel? Do I feel like I'm a refreshed tree planted beside a stream that is being refreshed day after day, that I'm producing fruit, that I do not have any withered leaves, that I'm lush and green? Is that how I feel? Or do I feel withered and dry, like a strong wind could just blow me away? And if I was to be honest with you, there are many times throughout my life where I have felt very withered and dried. Where I felt like, man, if it's a windy day, it's just going to be hard. And then I stop and I think, what am I steeping in? And that's the question we have to ask ourselves is, what are we steeping in? What are you steeping in? 
Like, are, are you soaking in God's word, or are you just dipping in that and then soaking in something else? Because throughout my life, there's been many moments where I convinced myself that all I needed was, you know, just a few more minutes on this social media, or just a few more episodes of that TV show, or, or just maybe a day off, and then I would feel so much more refreshed. And if you're like me, you get a vacation, and then you come back, and you're like, why don't I not feel, like, refreshed? It's because I, I steeped in the wrong place. Now, I don't say all those things because I want to create guilt in anybody. I don't want to create guilt. I just want to connect dots. I want to help people to see, like, why is it that you feel so dried? Why is it that I felt so dried up and shriveled in the past? And it's because I haven't steeped. I've dunked. And then I get frustrated. I'm like, God, like, what are you doing? So this is what's happened. You have a quiet time, or you have that moment when you want to read with Jesus, and so you go, Jesus, I want to read with you. I, I want you to teach me. And so you sit down, you open your Bible, or you open your phone, and you open up the Bible app, and maybe you're going to read a chapter. And you read a chapter of the, of the book, you read the Psalm 1, and you read through the whole Psalm, and then you just close it up, and you're okay, I'm done. And then you run off. Well, Jesus moves at a purposeful pace. It's not because he can't move fast, it's because he doesn't desire to move fast. And so I'm sitting there and go, Jesus, I want to learn from you. And so I sit down, I open my Bible, I read through really fast, and then I'm like, okay, I'm out. And Jesus is like sitting down, he's getting ready to teach me, and then I'm closing my Bible and I'm gone. And so now I've run out ahead of him, and then I'm moving around, I'm like, Jesus, where are you? Why have you abandoned me? Why have you forsaken me? And the reality is that he didn't abandon me, I just ran way far ahead of him. Now, if you're a Bible scholar, you know that God is omnipresent and he's everywhere, but please, for the sake of the illustration, just know that, that Jesus moves at a purposeful pace. I can't speed him up. I can't say, Jesus, I need you to teach me all that I need to go. I need you to refresh me in 30 seconds. And so what it requires for us to do is to meditate on the word. And so now what we're going to do is we're going to, I'm going to give you three practical ways to steep in God's word, to steep in it so that we can saturate ourselves in it, so that we can experience this abundant life, this righteousness grow inside of us. So before you try to write all this down, out in the hallways, all over the hallway, there is these cards that say meditation on the word. And on the back, it has these three methods that you can use to meditate on the word. It has questions you can ask. So don't feel like you have to write all this down. You can go grab one of these cards and stick it in your Bible, and then you'll be good to go. So the first way we do this, and then if you're online, so if you're online, um, you can go to our website, you go to this message, and then you find the message notes, and it'll be there. So emphasize the text. The first thing we can do is emphasize the text. This works really good with a verse or two verses. So we read the text, and then once we read the text, usually there's something that jumps out to you, that maybe as we've been reading the uh, Psalms or reading these other ones, maybe one of those really jumped out to you, so you highlight that. And then when you get done reading, you go back to it, and then you emphasize it. So you repeatedly read out loud the selected verses and emphasize a different word each time. So if you were going to do this with Psalm 1, verses 1 through 2, it would sound like this. I would say, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. 
Then I would read it again, but I would emphasize is. So I would say, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. And I would work my way through the entire verse, emphasizing a different word each time. Now you're saying, Jordan, that's very repetitive. Yes, that's the point. It's repetitive. As we repeat it, there's a couple things that happens. One, we notice words that you didn't notice the first time. It is amazing how many times I'll do this, and I'll notice words like all or everyone, words that like I just jumped over, and then when you read all, you're like, oh, this is like all. And it makes you think differently about the verses. It helps you to also memorize the verse. So by lunchtime, when you think, okay, what did I read today? Oh, I've read Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. So now I want you to practice with me. So please, please humor me. Practice with me. Whether you're online, whether you're in the venue, whether you're here in the auditorium, would you please practice with me? So when we get to the word delight, I want you to say delight, okay? Okay. Yeah, you laugh like, no, we're not going to do that. But please, I would, be, I would be delighted if you would say this. Okay, so blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight, yeah, is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Thank you. You guys did fantastic. Way to go. Okay. So this is how you can emphasize the text. This works really good with one verse or two verses. And it helps to drive it into your heart so that the rest of the day you're thinking about these verses. And if nothing else, it helps you to slow down and to dwell on the verse. Okay, second way, second method. We can pray the text. So we can pray the text. So after you read, you can either pray the entire text that you read or you can pray the selected verses in your text. So we'll do this with Psalm 1, verses 1 through 2. So we've read this a few times. It goes, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Maybe as you're reading that, someone comes to mind. Maybe it's a brother or a sister or a mom or a dad or a friend. Someone comes to mind. And you go, man, my son right now is in really a place where he's trying to decide, is he going to walk with the wicked or is he going to stand with the righteous? Is he going to plant himself beside the stream that is this living word or is he going to go off the deep end? And so you read this and you go, I'm going to pray for him. And so it would look something like this. Say, Father God, thank you that you've told us the way to being blessed. God, would you help my son to not walk in step with the wicked? God, he's so tempted right now to walk in step with the wicked, that I know he has this friend and that friend that are tempting him and pulling him in that direction. But God, would you please help him to not do that? God, that there's this temptation in him. I can see it where he wants to stand in the way the sinners take, that he wants to stand there and wait for them to just invite him to join in in what they're gonna do. God, would you change him so that he would run away from that? God, would you help him to not sit in the company of mockers, that, that I know that he has this the snarkiness in him. And it comes so natural to him. He's got this quick way. Would you help him, Lord, to not sit in the company of mockers where he would mock you or others or your word? 
But God, would you help him to delight in your law? God, would you put in his heart this delight that he would rejoice in your word? Would you help him to meditate on it day and night, that he would think deeply about it, he would steep himself in it day and night, Lord? Would you help him to do this? I pray this all in your name. Amen. That's a powerful way to, again, meditate on the word. That you can slow down and you can pray. And so you just take the verses and you turn it into a prayer. The third way is to ask questions of the text. You can ask questions of the text. So on that card in the hallway, there's more questions, but we're just going to tackle this one question. Does this text reveal something I should believe about God? So let's look at Psalm 1, verses 5 through 6. So it says, Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So one of the things you should know is that you never need to use all three of these methods. That I never use all three of these methods. That I've been using them, I use one. I read my verses and then decide which seems like the best method for me to steep today. So if I'm reading the Psalms, I'm probably going to pray them because they're pretty close to prayers. Sometimes they are prayers. So they fit really naturally with that. And then sometimes that there's just a verse that I'm like, man, I go, I need to memorize this verse. I need this verse to be in my heart. This will change my life if I got this verse inside of me. And so I use the first one to emphasize the text. But there are sometimes you read something in the Bible that you're like, I can't emphasize that. I can't pray that. What am I going to do? You ask questions about it. So does this text reveal something I should believe? So we just read those verses. And there's two things that jump out to me. He says in verse 5, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment. My guess is if you're like me, there's been moments and times where you've watched someone who's done something wicked, whether it's in global news or whether it's locally, and it seems like they're getting away with it. It seems like they're doing wickedness, they're doing something evil, and God's not stopping them. And you begin to wonder and doubt, like, God, are you actually going to hold them accountable for what they've done? And then here comes Psalm 1, verse 5. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment. And so what I need to believe about God that day is that God is going to hold people accountable for the wicked things that they do. That whether it's a coworker who's doing something evil or whether it's someone in the news. And I feel like, God, why are you not stopping this? You pause and you say, God, God, I believe. I believe there is coming a day where you're going to make that person stand before you and give an account for why did you do this to all these people? Why did you do these evil things and you thought you were going to get away with it? And in that moment, they will have no answer. And maybe that will cause you to pray for someone that you know that's in your own life, that they need Jesus. Because you're saying this day is coming where they're going to have to give an account for their life. And if Jesus doesn't stand there beside them and say, I paid for that, I paid for that. Because they turned and trusted in him and surrendered their life to him, they're going to be in a lot of trouble on that day. So maybe it stirs up in you this desire to pray for that person. The other thing that jumped out to me was the end of verse 6. Where it says, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Maybe what you need to believe that morning as you're reading is that the way of wickedness leads to destruction. Because maybe you have someone that's inviting you or tempting you to join in something that's wicked and you're going, can I get away with this? Like, like if I do this, am I going to get caught? Like, is it really going to go that bad for me? And then you read this and it's this reminder that that wicked deed will lead to destruction. You're reminded that it will destroy you, 
It could destroy your kids. It could destroy your family. It could destroy your friends. If you keep down this path, and in that moment it causes you to say, no, I'm going to turn and I'm going to run because I want nothing to do with this way of wickedness because it leads to destruction. And so that's what spurred in you as you read these questions. You're like, I didn't get it the first time, but as I sat there and I really dwelled on it, the Holy Spirit connected these dots for me. Connected this place I was tempted with this destruction that's coming if I keep walking down that path. And it caused me to repent, to turn away from my sin and to run towards Jesus. To run towards the Father. So we can emphasize the text, we can pray the text, and we can ask questions of the text. So this is what I'm asking of you. I'm asking you for the next seven days, from now until next Sunday, whatever your Bible reading like plan is, would you use one of these methods with your Bible reading plan? I'm not going to tell you how long to do it. I'm not going to say do it for this many minutes. You have to figure out when have I steeped? When have I crossed the point where I have really meditated on the word and it's gotten into me enough that I can carry it with me the rest of the day? But would you please take one of these practices and put it into practice each day? Because my belief is if we do this, it will med- help us to meditate on the word and we'll be like these trees that have been planted beside streams of water. That we'll be refreshed and our leaves will no longer wither and we'll no longer feel like we're going to blow away in a strong wind. So would you please put this into practice? Let me pray. Father God, would you please help us? God, you have told us the way to blessing. You have told us that we will be blessed if we do not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. But God, we confess to you that there are moments and times we were tempted to. There are moments and times where it seems like it would be a good plan or it would be beneficial to us. God, would you please help us to run away from that? Would you please instead, Lord, help us to delight in your law? God, that we would actually delight in it, that we would want to read it, we would want to sit with you, we would want to soak in it. God, would you help us to delight in your word? God, would you help us to meditate on it day and night? That, God, we don't want it to just be this momentary thing where we check the box. God, we want it to be the meditation of our heart. That we would be saturated with it. That it would come quickly to our minds and to our mouths. God, that your law, your good character, what you've done throughout history, what you commanded us to live and to do and to be, God, that it would be close to our hearts. God, we desire to be like trees that are planted beside streams of living water. God, that we want to yield fruit in season. God, we want our leaves to not wither. That we want to prosper. But God, we confess to you that we oftentimes, and many of us in this room probably feel like we have withered leaves. We feel very dry. God, we feel like chaff that would be easily blown away in the wind. And Lord, we pray that you would transform us and change us. God, our desire is to be transformed by your word, that we would grow in righteousness and we would have this abundant life in us. Would you help us, Lord? God, would you help us to believe you when you say that the wicked will not stand in the judgment? God, would you help us to believe that and to flee wickedness? God, would you help us to believe that you watch over the way of the righteous? That God, because of Jesus, because of his life, death, and resurrection, you have made us righteous and so we can stand and the judgment because of him. God, that you're watching over us because of him. God, would you help us? And God, would you help us to know and to believe deep down in our hearts to have this conviction, 
that the way of wickedness will lead to destruction. God, for any of us that are tempted to go our own way, for any of us that are tempted to do what is wrong, God, would you help us to flee and to return to the path that leads to life. We pray this all in your son's name. Amen.